Shalom. This is Rabbi David Tilkiger of Congregation Mayim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshicheinu Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Avrachamim, Father of mercies, we worship you. We love you and we adore you, Father. We thank you for this Shabbat. Father, we thank you for the sweetness of your presence in our midst. As we open up your word today, I pray, Lord, that you speak boldly into our hearts and our lives. Father, as we prepare to enter into your presence and your holy of holies right now, I pray that your Ruach HaKodesh opens our hearts and our minds and prepares us to receive from you, that you speak forth today, that nothing of me be involved except that which you have already ordained for your purposes. B'Shem Yeshua Meshachinu, in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray, and everyone says... Amen and amen. Uh, so as we said earlier, uh, today kind of throws our Parsha schedule off a little bit uh, because in traditional Judaism outside of Israel and what's called the diaspora, there's an added day to uh, Passover to the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Um, and uh, because of that, it throws the diaspora Parsha calendar off a little bit. And in a couple of weeks, uh, we will be back on track with uh, Israel uh, on the Parsha calendar. Uh, but in the meantime, there's normally a special Parsha for this week, which we read in our Torah service. Uh, but I'm going to do things a little different today, and I'm not actually going to speak from the special Parsha. Uh, instead, the Lord's given me a different message, and I want to, uh, to follow his direction and his guidance in this. Um, so what we want to talk about today is uh, Shavuot, or in particular, the counting the Omer in preparation for Shavuot. Uh, I believe that the Lord has given us the, the, the directive, the command to count the Omer, not just as a means of setting aside the portion that is due to the Lord and brought to the Lord as a wave offering on Shavuot at the temple, uh, which no longer stands today, so we can't actually do. Uh, but I believe that he gave us the counting of the Omer as a means for us to interact in the physical and spiritual with what the Lord is doing in preparation for Shavuot. Shavuot, uh, or the Feast of Weeks, uh, is the, the day that the nation of Israel stood at Mount Sinai in Exodus 19 and 20 and heard the audible voice of the Lord speak forth with the Asiret Hadibrot, the ten words of the Ten Commandments. It's also the exact same day that we see the outpouring of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, in Acts chapter 2. And we see definitive correlations between the two events. We see the fire upon the mountain, the fire upon the heads of the believers. We see the heavenly shofar blast, the sound of a mighty rushing wind. If you ever, matter of fact, last night, if you listened to the storm, at least by us, if you listened to the storm, there were certain points where that's what you heard was this mighty rushing wind, and it sounded like a really muffled shofar. Um, either that or we were left behind. I'm not really sure. Uh, no, I'm just joking. Uh, it sounded like a really muffled shofar, but it, it has that sound of a shofar, a trumpet blast. And uh, so we see the, the shofar blast, the heavenly shofar blast at Mount Sinai. And then in Acts 2, we see the heavenly uh, or the, the mighty rushing winds, the heavenly winds that come forth that I believe also produced a similar sound uh, when the Spirit of God fell on the believers in the temple or at the temple in Acts 2. And then we see uh, in Exodus 20, the divine voice, the audible voice of the Lord 
Lord speak forth the Ten Words, the Ten Commandments. And in Acts chapter 2, we see the divine voice, the divine voice of the Lord come forth in the gift of tongues upon the believers uh, in Acts chapter 2 as they spoke what I believe to be the gospel. And uh, as they spoke in their native tongue, men from uh, Jewish men and converts to Judaism from every nation, every tribe, every tongue in the world uh, were able to hear these men from the Galilee speaking in their own language. And I believe the message it was spoken was the message of the gospel. And I believe it was the voice of the Lord divinely activated within the, the, the disciples, the believers in Acts 2 speaking forth. So we see these really unique uh, definitive correlations between Exodus 19.20 and Acts 2. And as believers, it's very important that we understand these correlations because the church world celebrates what's called Pentecost. And Pentecost, the, the word Pentecost comes from the Greek, which was a word specifically for Shavuot. Pentecost means 50 days. Shavuot is the 50th day. We count 49 days, and on the 50th day, we celebrate Shavuot. And Pentecost is that day that the church, for whatever reason, it has this pendulum thing going on where it can be up to a month before or a month after the actual biblical observance of Shavuot. This year we're all united together celebrating it on uh, May 20th and I think it's important that we understand the necessity and the reality of this preparation period leading up to Shavuot because we're expecting phenomenal things on Shavuot as we come together, the body, Messiah, and unity, and I believe it's important that we as believers prepare ourselves for this. So in uh, Ex uh, Leviticus 23 verse uh, 15 is where it says, then you were to count from the morrow after the Shabbat, from the day that you brought the Omer of the wave offering, seven complete Shabbatot, until the morrow after the seventh Shabbat, you were to count 50 days, and then present a new grain offering uh, to Adonai. You were to bring out of your house two loaves of bread for a wave offering made of, the, of ten, two tenths of an ephah, fine flour. You were to, be, to, to bake, not to be baked. They are to be baked with hamet. <laughs> Entirely different message. <laughs> at congregations in Colorado. Uh, they are to be baked with chametz uh, as first fruits to Adonai. Okay, back on track. So I'm all over the place. Back on track as we're looking at this, and I don't want to get into the discussion of whether or not Shavuot should be on a Saturday every week, uh, Saturday night and Sunday every year, or, uh, or you know, th there's two different traditions in Judaism as how do we how do we count the Omer? When do we start counting? When when does Shavuot occur? And I don't want to get into all of that right now because this year it doesn't matter. We have enough enough things that we argue about, and this year we have one less thing to argue about because we're in unity either way. So I, I don't care about getting in that discussion right now. But what I do want to talk about is that the Lord has commanded us to count. 49 days from Passover to uh, Shavuot. On the 50th day, which is Shavuot, we are to uh, have a Shabbat rest. We are to have a holy convocation uh, in his presence. And so here he very specifically tells us to count the day. Now, on all of the other Moedim, uh, God says, okay, the uh, lamb that's slain for Passover is slain on the 14th of Nisan. Okay, cool. Rosh Hashanah is the first of Tishrei. Okay, cool. Ten days later is Yom Kippur. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Awesome. The 15th day of Tishrei is, uh, is Sukkot. That's cool. Every, every one of these has a very specific day that the Lord has commanded us to celebrate uh, uh, these Moedimon. But the, the appointment of the time that we get to for Shavuot is one that, that God requires us to count uh, each and every year. Now, Either way it goes, we can get into the discussion of how we get there. Either way, it doesn't matter. But we're commanded to count the time period. 
every day for 49 days we are to count. And so in traditional Judaism, as we did in our service this morning, uh, right after the Torah service, in traditional Judaism on the evening entering the new day, you count the Omer. And so tonight we will say today is the eighth day, which is one week and one day of the o- counting of the Omer, one week, one day of the Omer. And each day thereafter, the ninth day and the tenth day and the eleventh day, and we physically count out the counting of the Omer, which by the way is why this paper that we handed out today with this uh, prayer structure for each day of the the, the Omer, there's a, a specific directive for prayer as a community that we're all focused on the same. That's why it's so important, because we're prepping for something, we're preparing, and when we count, there's this this anxiety. Anybody ever gone on vacation and had a, 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 a countdown to vacation? Danielle and I like to go on cruises, and uh, on the, 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 the Carnival app that we, that, that we have access to, it'll tell us when we have a cruise booked how many days we have left till our cruise. And we're like, okay, cool, we've got 59 days. All right, now we're down to 30 days. Oh, we're in single digits. We're nine days out now. We're three days out. And your heart starts to palpitate because you've got to remember all the things you have to do before you get there. But we're, we're anticipating with anxiety, but, but a joyous anxiety vacation coming up and getting to get away. And the reality is, is God has given us the same kind of countdown for Shavuot. And each of the Moedim have a, a specific divinely orchestrated prophetic purpose. It's not just a day that we're to do stuff on at the temple, but there's a divinely prophetic purpose to each one. With Passover, the freedom from slavery in Egypt, through the blood of the lamb upon the doorposts, and Passover uh, when Yeshua offered his life as our sacrifice lamb, and his blood's put upon our hearts, and we have freedom from the death, uh, eternal death, which is consequence of our sin, and freedom from slavery to sin, and the imagery of the prophetic connection and uh, Shavuot's the same thing the presence of the Lord the presence of the Lord one is one we have to see and one is one we receive uh, and then with Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur Sukkot they all have second coming implications and prophetic purposes uh, and so we have this opportunity with Shavuot to count down the days in preparation for what the Lord has in store and I think this is vitally important because when we look at uh, at, at uh, the, the disciples' interactions with Yeshua post his... Everybody knows that you, the, the disciples saw Yeshua post his resurrection, right? Just make sure you've all actually read the book. If you haven't, go back and read it. It's all kinds of information that's very vitally important to us as believers. Uh, plus, it's important in the world we believe, if we say we're... Um, as we're looking at this and we look in the gospel narratives, we see that there's these interactions that the disciples have with Messiah post his resurrection, right? Uh, on the, the first day of the week, uh, he had already risen when Mary and the other ladies go in to try and anoint his body. They get there, the tomb is empty, the door is rolled away, and there's an angel standing there saying, hey, what are you doing? He's not here anymore. Go in and check for yourself. He's already risen. Kind of like in Acts 1 when he ascends off of the Mount of Olives and the disciples are like, and this angel appears and goes, hey, idiots, what are you doing? He's not here anymore. You got stuff you're supposed to do. You remember that whole Great Commission thing? Now's the time, people. Go get ready. This period of time that Yeshua interacted with the disciples uh, post his resurrection, pre his ascension, this was during this period of time, during the counting of the Omer, when the, the disciples were preparing and all of Israel was preparing for Shavuot uh, and the celebration of Shavuot at the temple. They were getting prepared for what was coming in, and the Lord reveals himself post resurrection, pre ascension, for the purpose of preparing the hearts and the lives of the disciples, the early believers, for what the Lord had in store for 
this very special Shavuot on this very specific year. So in Matthew chapter uh, 28, verse 16, uh, we read what begins the Great Commission. Uh, but Matthew 28, verse 16, Now the eleven disciples went to the Galilee, to the mountain Yeshua had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some wavered. And Yeshua came up to them and spoke to them, saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, immersing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In Luke 24, we read about a similar encounter that the, the disciples have with Yeshua post his resurrection, pre his ascension. Uh, verse 45, uh, 44 rather, we go to, it says, Then uh, he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. Now, he's talking about before he died. Now he's already uh, been sacrificed. He's already hung on the cross. He's been buried. He's now resurrected. And this is before the ascension. He says, Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. Everything written concerning me in the Torah of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, So it is written, that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day and that repentance for the removal of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are to witness, uh, you are, are witnesses of these things and behold, I am sending you, sending the promise of my father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then Yeshua led them out as far as Bethany and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while blessing them, he departed from them and was taken up into heaven. After worshiping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they continued in the temple praising God. This period of time when they interacted with Yeshua, this was a period of time in which they had opportunity for the Lord to literally prepare their hearts and get them ready for what was about to happen. He had the opportunity here after the disciples saw him hung on the cross and buried. They were heartbroken. As a matter of fact, when uh, he was buried, when he was uh, killed, and they thought, okay, well, we followed around for three and a half years. Oh, what in the world is going to happen next? What is it that the disciples did? They went back to what they knew before. Right? What they had been doing now seems obsolete. They don't know what to do. So they go back to what they had always done before, and they went back fishing, right? And Yeshua comes and finds them while they're out fishing. He's like, hey, what are you doing? Why are you out here fishing? I gave you an assignment. There's things you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be out making disciples. You've already caught fish in your life. Now it's time to go and be fishers of men. And we see this interaction here and this, this preparation of what's going on. And so as we see this, the disciples are, are, are discouraged post his death. They now see the resurrected form of Yeshua. They, they really aren't quite 100% sure what in the world is going on. They can't quite wrap their head around it. You would kind of think after they watch Lazarus walk out the grave, they'd have some sign of, sort of idea. They wouldn't quite be so shocked and, and, and awed. Um, but apparently there was something that, that kind of stood out as, as, uh, as curious to them. And so here they see Yeshua walking in human form again. He has now been resurrected from the dead. And he is ministering to them and preparing their hearts again. And he tells them, listen... The day is coming when the Ruach HaKodesh will be given to you. Now, they don't know what that means. They don't know what that's going to look like. They know that uh, all of the prophets before them operated in the power of the Ruach. They know that Yeshua operated in the power of the Ruach. They know that to some degree they had operated in the mantle of the power of the Ruach while they were in ministry with him, but they have no clue what he means by the Comforter is coming, the, the, uh, the Ruach is coming to you. So we go forward now to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse uh, 1. 
says, uh, uh, I'm sorry, beginning with verse 3. To them he showed himself to be alive after his suffering through many convincing proofs, appearing to them for 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So he appeared to them for 40 days of the 49 days of the Omer. Uh, he appeared to them for 40 days of this period of time before he ascended into heaven. Now while staying with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father promised which he said, you heard from me for John immersed with water, but you will be immersed with the Ruach HaKodesh not many days from now. So when they gathered together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? He said to them, it is not your place to know the times or seasons which the Father has placed under his control, but you will receive the power of the Ruach HaKodesh. Uh, you will receive power when the Ruach HaKodesh comes upon you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After saying all of this, while they were watching, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. While they were staring into heaven as he went up, suddenly two men stood with them in white clothing. They said, to, said, men of Galilee, why do you keep standing here staring into heaven? This Yeshua has been taken up uh, from you into heaven and will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This period of time of the counting of the Omer for the disciples leading up to this first experience of the outpouring of the Ruach HaKodesh on Shavuot in the first century. This period of time of the counting of the Omer was a time of preparation. And this was an interesting opportunity for preparation because not only were they counting the days of the Omer, but they were counting them with the resurrected person of Yeshua there with them, teaching them and guiding them and instructing them and uplifting them and encouraging them. And as they looked at the death and burial of Yeshua for several days, all they could do was mourn and be sorrowful and be broken down because they couldn't understand what was happening. Because although they walked with him and saw the might and power that God did through him and they heard his words about having to suffer on behalf of Israel, they truly still expected that he was going to serve right then and there as the victorious king who would end all suffering and usher in eternal peace right then and there. And when he died, just like most of the rest of Israel that faded away in faith, most people don't realize that most of the Jewish people in Israel, when Yeshua walked on earth, believed that he was Messiah and followed him, which is why uh, uh, the high priest Caiaphas said, it's better that one man die for the nation than the nation die for one man, because he knew that if Israel kept following him as Messiah, that Rome was going to crack down on them because they thought, Rome thought that Israel was going to revolt against them through this, behind this Messiah. And so they, they wholeheartedly believed, just like the rest of Israel, that Yeshua was going to bring in the kingdom, the eternal kingdom of Israel. This is what they ask him. Are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he says, it's not your place to know. It's not your place to know any of this. You'll figure it out when it happens. Between now and then, just prepare. Just get ready. You've got work to do right? You've got work to do. Go therefore and make Talmudim disciples of all nations. You've got work to do. Don't stand here staring in heaven. Don't sit here contemplating what you thought was going to happen versus what has happened. Just know what I have done for you and the work I want to do through you from here. And so the Lord tells Israel to prepare. He tells the disciples to prepare for what is about to happen. And they do. They go back to the temple daily, and they're in prayer daily. They gather together. As we read through uh, Acts chapter 1, we see that they gather together in prayer and uh, studying the word and teaching, and, uh, and they gather together to break bread and eat together. And they went to the temple daily, as, as they always did, to worship because they were preparing. And Yeshua said, listen, don't leave Jerusalem. These are guys from the Galilee. These are guys from the north. They, they don't live in Jerusalem, but the Lord says, don't leave Jerusalem. Stay here. Something's about to happen. 
You've got to be here. Stay here. Don't leave this place. You want to make sure you witness this and you see this happen. And so they spend all this time for the remainder of the period of time, the county of the Omer, about a week and change, preparing their hearts for what is to come. And then we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Shavuot had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and tongues like fire spreading out appeared to them and settled on each, of, each one of them. They were all filled with the Ruach HaKodesh and began to speak in other tongues as the Ruach HaKodesh enabled them. And then we skip to verse 42. So as they were devoting themselves, this is right after there were 3,000 that came to faith that one single day. And then after this, they were devoting themselves to the teaching, the emissaries, and the fellowship, and breaking bread into prayers. Fear lay upon their soul, every soul, and many wonders and signs were happening through the emissaries. And all who believed were together, having everything in common. They began selling their property and possessions uh, and sharing them with all as any had need. Day by day, they continued with one mind, spending time at the temple and breaking bread from, the house, from house to house. They were sharing meals with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day, the Lord was adding to their number those being saved. So as we arrove, uh, arrived at Shavuot, there was a 49-day period of time that the disciples were in very specific and directed preparation for what was to come. The Lord kept saying, the Spirit's coming, the Spirit's coming, the Spirit's coming. They walked with Yeshua, his resurrected Yeshua, for, for 40 days as he ministered to them and prepared their hearts and worked on them. Uh, they got to hear the word of the Lord in a very literal sense from God himself, robed in resurrected flesh. And they got to walk with him for 40 days and hear him teach and prepare their hearts. And he continually said, just get ready, the Spirit's coming. Just get ready, the Spirit's coming. Don't leave this place. Do not leave Jerusalem. Stay here. Stay in this place and wait for it to happen. And Shavuot approaches and they go to the temple as they're supposed to do. It's one of the Shalos Regalim, one of the three pilgrimage feasts. They're required to go to the temple to celebrate it. And they go to the temple and sure enough, what they had been preparing for, for 49 days at this point, they didn't know that they were preparing for this specific outcome. But they had been preparing their hearts for 49 days as a community for what was about to happen. And in Acts chapter 2, on Shavuot, the outpouring of the Ruach HaKodesh fell. The Spirit of God fell. And there were thousands added in one day that came to faith because they saw the power, the might of God among his people. It was no longer just hearing the disciples talk about the ways of God. Instead, they were seeing them in them. And the, the passage here in Acts 2 says, and there were many wonders and signs that occurred through the disciples and people were being saved because of it. And then after the outpouring of the Ruach, after 3,000 come to faith in one single day on Shavuot, they returned back to preparing their hearts daily. Notice there wasn't a difference between Acts 1 and Acts 2, what they were doing. After Yeshua ascended and after Ruach fell, it was the exact same thing. They were still preparing their hearts. And they went out and started leading others to salvation. And it says that there were those being added daily that were being saved. So it took them 49 days of preparation, the Count and the Omer, to prepare their hearts for what was about to happen. Part of that preparation was with Messiah, Yeshua, in resurrected form, there with them, guiding them along. And then as soon as the Ruach fell, they immediately began to work and to continue to prepare their hearts in the Ruach HaKodesh so that more may come to know Messiah, so that they could literally fulfill and interact with the Great Commission to go and make Talmudim disciples of all nations. It's vitally important for us to understand this because we have a superbly, phenomenally, absolutely important Shavuot coming up this year. And we as the body of Messiah need to be preparing our hearts for what's about to happen. 
This time, instead of it being a preparation with the resurrected Yeshua in human form right in front of our face that the disciples got to experience, we have the resurrected Yeshua in our hearts. And he's preparing our hearts, and he wants to prepare our hearts. But he needs us to give him the freedom to do so. He needs us to get out the way because he wants to prepare our hearts and get us ready for what is about to occur. And just like in Acts chapter 2 where there are thousands that were saved in that single day because of what they saw God do, I believe the Lord has similar uh, outcome available and ready for us this year on this Shavuot as the body of Messiah comes together in unity. Whether it's our service at, uh, at the Civic Center where we're literally bringing together churches in the Messianic Synagogue as one to celebrate Shavuot and Pentecost, or it's just the reality across the globe of the body of Messiah celebrating Shavuot and Pentecost on the same day, even if they don't know it, the fact that we are in unity. And if you look at Acts 1 and Acts 2, that was one of the keys of this preparation, was they were in unity in all things. They laid aside all of their own desires to make sure that each and every person in the community had their needs met. I don't think Acts 2 is commanding us to go and sell everything we own and give it all to the congregation so that the congregation can divvy it up and do what they want. I think what it's saying is that if you see somebody in need and you have the ability to meet that need, take care of what needs to be done to meet that need so that they are not left out to dry. And that's part of preparation. You want to see hearts change? You want to see lives change? Go and impact people's hearts and lives where they need it most. See somebody hungry, give them food. You see somebody thirsty, give them water. You see somebody hurting, give them hope, encouragement. Pray for them, lay hands on them. We carry the power of the Ruach HaKodesh. We carry the literal presence, the Shekhinah, the divine glory of the God of all creation. And we have this period of time to be preparing ourselves to see what God wants to do in, his, in, in the mighty and powerful way when we are in unity as the body of Messiah. And I guarantee there will be even greater things that will occur thereafter. In Acts 2, we said that there were 3,000 saved in one day, and daily there are those being added that were being saved. The body of Messiah, unfortunately, has moved away from the daily there are those being added to. The daily there are those being transferred from one congregation to another. But what the Lord wants us to do is to lead people to salvation, to disciple them. And listen, it's not just getting somebody to repeat a prayer either. It's not just getting somebody to repeat a prayer. It's leading them through discipleship, training them to know how to walk in faithfulness in the Word of God, to walk in faithfulness and experience the power and the might of the presence of God, to walk in faithfulness that they may lead others, not just to salvation, but to disciples. Disciples make disciples. The Great Commission isn't to the rabbi or the pastor. It isn't to the elders. It isn't to the worship leader. It isn't to the youth leader. It isn't to the children's director. It isn't to the evangelists and the missionaries. To the body of Messiah. To go therefore and make disciples of all nations. To go therefore and make disciples of all nations that all may hear and know and come to recognize what the Lord wants to do through the people of God. And it's vitally important that we as the body of Messiah begin to prepare our hearts for the Lord has in store for this Shavuot. Because I truly and wholeheartedly believe that this is a catalyst for the days that are ahead. As we look at the world around us, I don't know how many of you have been paying attention to the news in Israel. It's getting real in Israel right now. There are thousands of people 
that Hamas has gotten to come out of Gaza to revolt and try and rush the border of Israel. They're burning tires, thousands upon thousands of tires to blacken the sky so that the, the Israeli military can't see them trying to cross the border. They're coming in with weapons trying to, uh, to kill innocent Israelis. They like to sneak into to villages near the border and try and kill people. They, they're doing all of this. And look, I'm not trying to fault the Palestinians by any means. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I truly believe wholeheartedly, uh, although I, I'm vehemently against what they're doing, I wholeheartedly believe that this is a work of the enemy, that the enemy is the one working through them, that is an anti-Semitic or anti-Messiah spirit operating through them. But I recognize that the Word of God says these things are necessary to usher in the return of Messiah. The days are close. Time is coming to a close. Our Messiah is coming back. And it is time that the body of Messiah decide we finally want to live out the words that Messiah spoke to the early disciples before his ascension and we actually go about making disciples of all nations. Because as the days begin to draw closer and closer and closer, time is going to run out. And as time begins to run out, we're going to notice that we will have less and less opportunity because the message of Messiah will be starting to be put under a stamp more and more and more as the enemy tries to, to, to hold us back. And the only way we're going to continue to operate in the power of the Ruach HaKodesh is if we begin to operate in the power of the Ruach HaKodesh. Now, we've got to prepare ourselves for what is to come because I truly believe that this great battle of the nations amassing war against Israel is on the cusp of occurring all we have to look at is the world around us. We look at, at Iran moving in more and more of their troops into Syria and trying to cross the border into Israel. We Look, you know something's up when Saudi Arabia says, hey, Israel, we got your back. You know something's up when that's going on. And it's not because they like Israel. It's because they hate Iran more than they like Israel, more than they hate Israel. But I'll take what I can get at the moment. As we get ready for Shavuot, we see these prophetic anniversaries occurring, and not only these prophetic anniversaries of, of the modern state of Israel and Israeli Independence Day and Yom Yerushalayim or Jerusalem Day, but we also see on the 14th of Nisan, I'm sorry, the 14th of, uh, uh, of May, the 14th of May, which is six days before Shavuot, uh, that the, the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem is going to open its doors. The 14th of, of May is the exact day in 1948 on the Gregorian calendar that Israel declared its independence. That is going to be a catalyst that will drive the Arab countries mad. And they will attack Israel and they will attack the U.S. and, and our uh, ventures around the globe. They will attack. We see the U.N. is already on the onslaught against Israel. We see that many other nations are already on the onslaught of Israel. The Palestinians said now that they are happy to return to the negotiation table as long as it's Russia leading the negotiations and not, is, not America. Israel's not going to be okay with that. We already see that Russia backs Iran and Iran's moving into Syria to try and attack Israel. How's that going to pan out? But in the days that we live in, we see prophecy being fulfilled before our very eyes. End time prophetic realities are becoming daily expectations. And it's now necessary that the body of Messiah decide where we're going to stand on this. Whether we're going to actually be disciples, making disciples, or we're just going to get out of God's way. Because he doesn't have time left to mess with us anymore. Either we're going to walk in his ways faithfully and glorify his holy name, which involves us this year preparing our hearts for Shavuot. Listen, this is why we're getting together for prayer every Wednesday during the Omer. 
This past Wednesday, we had 10 people here. And, and though I praise God for the 10 that we had, I longed to see more come together. I longed to see more come together hungry on these Wednesday prayer meetings leading up to Shavuot because there is something that is building. There is something that is going to be happening as the body Messiah comes together in unity. And it's not often that we do this, but it's necessary in these days that we live in. So it's important that we as a community come together. Look, God gave our congregation this vision. And, and although it's not our service, it's the body's service, he gave it to us. And we have an a, a, a obligation to carry the mantle of this vision, to see it and for, come to fruition, and to prepare ourselves for what the Lord has in store, and to draw others in to prepare their hearts for it as well. But it begins with those that he cast the vision in. He gave us this vision and we've got to get our hearts and lives ready and right for what he's got in store. There's a lot going on around us that we don't understand. There's a lot of things we don't like. There's a lot of things in our own lives that we're not okay with that are happening. But that doesn't negate the necessity for us to walk out faith. Look, if we only are happy to walk out faith when things are going well, not really walking in faith. That's just the honest truth about it. I've been talking about this a lot lately. We're more than happy to bring prayer requests to God, but when God answers those prayers, how often do we return the thanks? We don't do it enough. That's for sure. We're more than happy to bring requests to God, but how often are we willing just to sit back, shut up, and listen to what He has to say? How much of our prayer time every day do we spend telling God what we want, what we think we need, and what others need versus just listening to what He needs to tell us? How many times do we spend just soaking in his presence in our own prayer time? The body Messiah has done enough of telling God what we need. It's time that we listen to what he wants. It's time that we prepare our hearts for what is to come. Because the days are drawing nigh, people. Messiah will be returning. And just as we say in our Torah services, we are preparing to close the ark that the Torah will go forth from Jerusalem, the word of the Lord, uh, or the Torah will go forth from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. You know what? We carry that word of the Lord. That word of the Lord resides within our hearts and our souls. And this is why in Luke 24, as we read earlier, Yeshua says these words. So it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day and that repentance for the removal of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. The proclamation for repentance from sin is the word of God from the foundations of creation. That's why we need a Messiah in the first place because God knew we were going to sin. The necessity for repentance from sin began with Adam and Eve and it was necessary ever since and the word that we're supposed to bring to the nations, the word that every prophet brought before Israel was repentance, teshuvah, return back to the Lord your God. And God says that we are to, uh, to bring a message of repentance from sin to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem and that word will go forth from Jerusalem as it did in the first century. And now it is necessary that that word actually continues. And then we begin to call people in repentance. And the only way people are going to come back to the Lord in repentance when it's us that's bringing the message is when they see God in our lives. And unfortunately, most of the body of Messiah today, we don't walk in the presence in God, of God in a way that people see God in our lives. We talk about it. We're more than happy to talk about it. More than happy to talk in general. But are we willing to actually let God operate through us? And so I want to encourage you as we move through these counting, the, the days of the counting, the Omer. Today is the seventh day of this evening, starts the eighth day. Start now. If you've missed the last six days, the last seven days leading up to this point, that's okay. Start now and begin spending the next six weeks in preparation for what the Lord has in store and wait to see what God will do 
in your life, through your life, and in the lives of others. Because this Shavuot is going to be a game changer. It's going to be a catalyst for something new that is going to occur. It's going to be a catalyst for the reality of what the body Messiah needs now more than ever with the days that lie ahead. And it's going to be necessary for us, the body Messiah, to walk in faithfulness in the Ruach HaKodesh in order for us to survive what is to come. If you and I were Peter in the first century, looking at being hung upside down on execution stake, can we honestly say that we'd be able to survive, that we'd be able to hold our faith out no matter what? If you and I were Stephen standing before Paul and his mass, uh, his mass is preparing to stone him, can we honestly say right now, without a doubt, that we would stand for the Lord no matter what? That we would preach his gospel in staring down, in, in the eyes, staring down the reality of death? Many of us would say, absolutely, we're more than happy to say we can, but when the time came, do we really do it? And the evidence of whether or not we really would is our day-to-day lives. Do we do it every other day? Do we stand boldly for the ways of the Lord every other day? Do we walk boldly in the power and the presence of the Ruach HaKodesh every other day? Do we make disciples every other day? Do we preach the Besor, the good news of Messiah, the gospel every other day? Or is it only when things get real that we have to decide we're going to gum up to do it. The chutzpah. It's time that the body of Messiah walk faithfully in what he has already given us yes. and trust in him no matter what we face. Because things are only going to get worse from here. And if we think getting a cold every once in a while brings us down, just wait till we start seeing people drop like flies because of their faith in Messiah. Wait till we start seeing the enemy put swords to our throats, to our children's throats, to our friends and our family's throats. You don't believe it can happen? Look at ISIS. Look at the thousands upon thousands of believers that died in Syria and Iraq because of ISIS. Literally what we see in the word of God is prophecy occurring. Look, we've had it easy here in the States for a while. Not so much anymore. Things are getting crazy here too. You don't believe me? Go to California. Go to Detroit. Go to New York. Things are getting crazy. It's time that we decide that we're going to stand firm for the Lord, that we're going to pick up the commission he gave us at the end of Matthew, at the end of Luke, at the beginning of Acts. It's time that we stop staring up in the clouds saying, well, where are you, God? And we start saying, you're here. You're in my life. I recognize this. I know this is the gospel. This is the truth of your word. Your blood was poured out that you can reside in my heart. And we walk faithfully in that. We stop looking at the sky saying, What's, what now? Because we've already been given the commission. We've already been given the command. Go therefore and make disciples. So I want to encourage you over the next several weeks, wholeheartedly prepare your hearts. If you're not sure what that looks like and what that means for you, ask the Lord. Fall on your face and ask him to reveal it to you. And then shut your face long enough to listen. Be in his word daily, day in and day out. Be in prayer daily, day in and day out. At all times, never ceasing to be in prayer. Look, I ride a motorcycle. I spend a lot of time in prayer on my motorcycle. And it's not only when I got to slam the brakes and hope I'm not sliding in the car in front of me. It's not only because somebody pulls out in front of me. I spend a lot of time in prayer on my motorcycle. It's actually a really good time to be in prayer. Nothing else in your brain, nothing else going on. You can just focus on presence with the Lord. I spend as much time as I can in prayer. And don't get me wrong, this isn't saying I'm all wonderful and great at this either. I'm human as much as the rest of us. I fail at this as much as the rest of us. 
But the reality is, is we've got to start walking our lives in the word and prayer and fasting and, and, and in uplifting each other, encouraging each other, speaking to each other's lives, most importantly in sharing the gospel with others. Because that truly is what we're here to do. We as Messianic believers spend a lot of time, time trying to convince other believers of the value of Shabbat. But you know what? These other believers are out there reaching people. They're out there doing it. We may not necessarily like the way they're doing everything, but they're doing that. A lot of times we aren't. A lot of times we're more focused on trying to reach believers who have already been reached. You know what? None of us in this room is here because somebody reached us to just keep Shabbat. We're here because God brought us to this. So how about we take what we already know, which is the salvation of Messiah to the world, and we impact the nations for the glory of God. We lead more Gentiles to faith so that they can drive more Jews to salvation. We lead more Jews to salvation so they can drive more Gentiles to salvation. How about we focus on the Besorah, the gospel, the good news of Yeshua? Day by day, hour by hour, listening to the Lord as he begins to guide us. Let us humbly align our lives with his will so that when we are out and about, we can recognize those divine appointments that he sets up for us so that we can interact with other people and share Messiah with them. It's all about preparation. And it doesn't end with Shavuot. We don't just prepare our hearts up to Shavuot and they're like, ah, we're good. No, we got to keep stoking that fire. We got to keep preparing our hearts day in and day out. From this year to next year, from next year to the year after, and every year thereafter till Messiah's feet return to the Mount of Olives. Till the Mount of Olives splits. Until the eternal kingdom is ushered in. You and I have a directive from the Lord as believers in Messiah, as disciples of Yeshua, to make disciples for Yeshua. No matter what the world around us thinks, says, or does, we know what we're supposed to do. So let's prepare our hearts, not only to experience the might and power of God, this Shavuot, but let's prepare our hearts now for the Lord to begin using us immediately to lead others into the kingdom of God. Amen. Avrachamim, Father of mercies, we worship you. We love you and we adore you. Father, we thank you that you are a gracious and loving God, God, a gracious and loving Father. We thank you that in spite of our failures and who we are, in spite of the fact that we continually fall short of the glory, Lord, that you are continually drawing us into your presence, that you are continually uplifting us and building us and giving us the directive to go and make disciples of others. Father, that in spite of who we are and are on our own, that we can depend on the fact that we aren't who we used to be because of you. Father, I pray that you awaken within us a burden to see the besor, the good news, go forth unto all men, unto all nations. Father, not just that we watch missionaries and evangelists go out and do it, but Lord, that we begin to speak the truth of your besor before all nations that your Torah will go forth from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and salvation will be known because of the lives of those impacted by your salvation and your Ruach HaKodesh. Father, teach us just to listen as you speak, that still small voice. Teach us to shut up long enough to hear you, Lord. Teach us to block out the enemy's discouragement, the attack of the enemy, because, Lord, we recognize that the enemy is attacking. It's because we're a threat. Father, I pray that you make us a threat. 
I pray that you make each and every one of us as individuals in the kingdom of God as a threat to the enemy, but as much so that you make us as a community of believers, as the bride of Messiah, a unified threat to the enemy. Because when we are united, we are less likely to be broken. Father, I thank you for these days and hours, the time that we live in, the reality of your prophecy being fulfilled. Father, I thank you that you do in fact have something phenomenal in store for us in the days that lie ahead as we await this, the, the ushering of the soon return of Messiah Yeshua. B'Shem Yeshua Meshachinu, in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray and everyone says, Amen. Amen.